This is Noah Kadner, and you're listening to the Virtual Production Podcast. Pinar Sehan Demerdag is a director, multidisciplinary artist, and thought leader originally from Turkey. In 2020, she founded Sehan Lee with renowned advertising executive Gary Kepke. Demerdag is on the cutting edge of generative AI and exploring how it can enhance virtual production workflows. But she arrived at filmmaking through an entirely different art form. Before I came into virtual production and generative AI, I had a career in arts. The intersection between creative technologies, artistic endeavors, and uplifting values of brands. I had my own studio shared with a Dutch artist. We named our studio after our first names, Pinar and Viola. And we started with the dream of creating image collections, the way fashion designers have fashion collections, and they display it every year, two, three, four times a year. We were like, why don't we come out as an authority saying that this is what we believe will be the image collections of the year, be it like the look and feel of Unreal or Gothic look or cartoony look. And then whatever we come out with, we will have companies and brands come to us directly and request similar things for their own lines. And that um, basically nonsensical dream worked. Hi, we're Pinar and Viola. We're a duo of multidisciplinary artists and designers. Okay. Okay. For example, what would happen is that I remember it was 2012. That was the year of like political sex scandals. It was making the news and we made a towel collection. We printed like these images of political sex scandals. So we were having this like very political person imagery, fictitious politicians married with very childish teenager graphical images to show the contradiction of something as highly looking with something as naive as like children. Though the initial endeavor was purely artistic, the bold visuals Demerdag and her partner created caught the attention of the business world. That made the news, and IKEA saw this news, and they were like, obviously we're not going to have this political imagery on our towels, but these visuals are super interesting. Why don't you come and have a graphic collection for our company? And we ended up having a 25 piece of collection under our name in global IKEA, so in all IKEAs in the world. And I happen to be the first and only uh, Turkish artist to have a collection under her name in IKEA, still to this date. Then we also had like, for example, face tracking technology came around in 2010, meaning like you smile and then rainbows come out of your mouth. So we were like, okay, we have to do something with that. So we made a collection of face filters of like panda, penguins, whatever. You would smile and then you will turn into a panda. And then Diplo came around, the musician. So we ended up making a music video for him with this technology in 2011. So my background is in grabbing the ideas of creative technologies in the air and then pulling them to the current mainstream and making projects that are understandable and adaptable to the rest of the public. Although she was generally familiar with AI, an experience working with Google led Demerdog to turn her attention to the developing technology. It was 2017 and we were doing face tracking filters for Google's communication channels, Allo, Duo. So we were doing like, again, you smile and rainbows come out of your mouth and then you say goodnight and then your face turns into a night. And then I happened to be in Istanbul and then I went to listen to somebody from Google speak. His name is Damien Henri and he was talking about the latest researches of Google Machine Learning Lab in Google Arts and Culture in Paris. 
And then it was like the craziest stuff I have never seen in my life. He was showcasing things called generative AI in 2017. And I simply didn't know what I was looking at. So I went to see him and I'm like, hey, you know, you work for Google and we're doing this project for your headquarters in California. And maybe we can have a glass of wine, you know. And then he was like, yeah, I'm here in Istanbul alone. And tomorrow I'm going to go to see a museum. Let's go to a museum together. Okay, great. So we talk about life and art and whatever. We exchange cards and then goodbye. And then one day he sends us this email. Hey, girls, so why don't you come to Paris? Because we have this discovery. And uh, it's uh, really odd. I think you have to come quick. So we go to Paris and then Google Arts and Culture and Google Brain Lab, their main AI lab in Zurich. They had a very breakthrough discovery in the development of generative AI. And the results of that breakthrough model look like our body of work as an artist. Google researchers led by Alexander Morvinsev and Chris Ola were looking to identify how artificial neural networks slowly build up images around them. Meaning, how can I make a distinguishment between an Oscar statue or a bell? So Google could mimic that moment of perception and could visualize what happens in the human brain at the moment they're trying to visualize an object. So of course I had to leave everything behind. I left my artist career behind. I'm like, whatever this is, wherever this is going, I'm going with it. Generative AI refers to a range of different technologies. Demerdog feels especially strongly about defining it clearly for newcomers so they can understand exactly what it encompasses. Generative AI falls under the category of machine learning, where the primary output of the generative AI model is to create novel outputs, outputs that did not exist before, but that are constrained to the quality of the algorithm and the quality of the data that you are feeding it with. Generative AI is an umbrella term for several different models, varying from those that output pictures, those that output videos, those that output words, music, or any type of data, be it creative or non-creative, be it usable in the hands of a final consumer, or be it synthetic data in order for you to train even further algorithms. Nowadays, the word generative AI is making headlines with ChatGPT and with text-to-image models like Midjourney, DALI, or Stable Diffusion. These models are trained on impossibly high number of images coming up to five to seven trillion. In these trillion amount of data sets, you also need to have labels. Like if ever I am writing, say, a statue of Academy Awards, it needs to be trained on hundreds and thousands of Academy Award statues to be able to discern a pen from an Academy Award statue. So what it's actually doing is that when you are typing words on a screen, it is going back to its dataset. So you can think about these text-to-image models just like a child. If you tell to a child, draw me a house with a sun, the child can never understand sun, nor can draw a sun, unless the child has been shown sun several times. You can never output anything unless these models are trained on them. Let's imagine a child that is learning to draw, but multiplied with a trillion horsepower. More than any other recent technological leap, AI has engendered a level of fear and misunderstanding about its potential for nefarious purposes. Demerdog acknowledges the possibility is real, but that it's also been exaggerated by popular depictions of rogue AI. 
I am currently working in a very tainted field. Tainted by Kubrick. I can see you're really upset about this. Tainted by Terminator. I'll be back. Tainted by Alien. Tainted by all types of nefarious fantasies that science fiction writers and very clever directors have blossomed their nightmares in. Fear is humanity's initial reaction to the unknown. Due to the fact that we have never learned how to self-actualize, meaning be in our center, be in our authority, we have unfortunately equated not taking risk with our understanding of reality. Unless we are taking risks, unless we are doing something that we haven't done before, we are not growing. And for me, not growing equates dying. I believe that AI leaders or anybody that is leading a high technology firm or doing any research, it is our honorable duty to have a stake in educating the public as much as providing tools or services that will help them in their own development. We can also ask, what is my place? When all the repetitive or all the difficult parts of my job, like for example, rotoscoping, like I'm pretty sure that there's one or two people in the world that loves relentless rotoscoping and they find their Tao, Zen, you know, but you don't have to. There's a world where nobody has to rotoscope ever again. And what are you going to do with all that time? If all the things that you ever learned is how to rotoscope better, when somebody will be able to rotoscope by pushing a button, what will be of you? I think the presence of AI is asking us a very important question. What is the point of my life? Why am I here? What is a job? What do I do in my daily life? And what is it serving me? For me, a purpose, no matter what, needs to be relating to the collective consciousness. Your purpose should be elevating the lives of others, including your own. Although AI has many uses across diverse fields, Demerdog has recently focused on virtual production and how the two workflows might enhance one another. It all started with our company, Sehan Lee, visiting a virtual production stage in Los Angeles for the first time, XR Studios Hollywood. Being there in person for us changed everything because we were absolutely swimming in the world of generative AI where you can create these magical new worlds where you are putting all the attention in your creative power while you minimize all the tedious parts of the creation process. We were dabbling in that for creative services like AI VFX for films or short films, making our own small productions. But then we were like, guys, have you ever thought about including these technologies to a volume? And then they're like, let's do something together. So that's when we were like, do you have a workflow that optimizes two and a half dimension, that dimensionalizes two-dimensional images? And they're like, yeah, you need to jump between this tool and that tool and this tool and that tool and go back to the first tool and second tool. We were like, yeah, I think we can help you with that. So the idea of creating a product that streamlines the production of 2.5D and 2.7D even workflows came to mind. And what we did is that we taped together several different AIs. First, image generation, text-to-image, and then object segmentation. So an AI that can discern between objects and separate them from each other. And then we included depth-based segmentation, shape-based segmentation. So in other words, you do not have to take a pen and then draw the girl out of the library or the tree out of the mountain. The tool is doing it for you automatically. Another AI 
image to image where you are, in other words, in painting, where when you cut the tree out of the mountain, you do not need to no longer have a brush tool where you are like taking the texture of the mountain and filling the hole with more mountain. You can do this automatically with AI. And another one is super sampling, to be able to take an HD image and turn it into a 16K for the volume. So the idea is to give much more power and options in the hands of the creators during their creation process, because we are very well aware that the demand for extraordinary content in the collective has never been higher. How are we going to answer the demand for this extraordinary content? That's why we built Kubrick, our tool, to accelerate the process. After the break, we'll be back with more AI insights from Pinar Sehan Demerdog. This episode of the Virtual Production Podcast is brought to you in part by Silicon Core, pioneers in fine pixel LED display technology for XR and virtual production. Learn more at siliconcore.com. And by Blackmagic Design, one of the world's leading innovators and manufacturers of creative video technology which also work very well with virtual production. Because AI can generate new ideas and images so quickly, there is a danger that people will expect more instant gratification from their entertainment content. I think the hardest thing for human existence would be to be able to cultivate patience. The presence of generative AI augmenting social media and all types of content creation it will be impossible to remove our eyes from the speed of input coming at us because we will be generating output in the same speed as social media is giving us input. This input-output relationship is very entertaining because you're in a constant escapism mode. You're always producing something. There's always like something to do. But um, actually, the biggest strength of humanity is when they can cultivate patience, when they can remain silent with their selves staring at nothing, and to be able to not judge that moment, to be able to be okay with themselves in silence. And my future prediction is that becoming harder and harder, and I'm hoping that in parallel to wanting to make content faster, wanting to remain true to ourselves will become what we will be striving for. The other challenge I foresee is a normalization of mediocrity. If everybody can create content, then what is great. Like I cannot make a Marvel movie on my own today, but in the next years, we will be able to create content in the quality of Warner Brothers. So all the barriers between you and your vision will be taken away from you, which is I don't have money. No problem. Here is your subscription, $10 a month, your Warner Brothers studio quality production tools. I don't have a team. No need. Here is all the tools you need to be able to do mocap without the mocap suit, do jumping jabs without needing actors, and whatnot. In its current popular form, AI is relatively novel to many, and therefore few comprehensive academic resources exist. Still, Demerdog has plenty of advice for those looking to study AI. Here is what I propose they study. They study self-actualization over anything else. Because in the age of AI, your most important choice will be, will I become a user of AI or will AI become my user? Unless we understand our power as humanity, unless we remain in our authority, we will become the toy of an algorithm that is programmed by somebody else. It will go against my nature 
to let anybody study anything other than discover your own subconsciousness, understand your own limitations, understand your prejudices, understand your fears, and until you overcome all your fears, do not study anything else. Deberdog sees AI as a critical part of humanity's evolutionary process. Can I quote my favorite quote? Remember, blessed children of man, that the purpose of real science should be to increase the happiness and to free the race from every external condition that would be beneficial for the elation of man to the pristine greatness of his original cosmic destiny. By Count Saint Germain. This sentence means that any technology that is not there to serve our elation and elevation as individuals and a collective species should not be bothered with. So does AI serve the elation and elevation of humanity only when it is used consciously, only when it will be coupled with wisdom? Any tool, when not used consciously, has the potential to put us in a situation of danger. So is AI inevitable? Probably so, yes. At this point, we're just too far to plug the AI or whatnot. There's a chance where we do not need to do enslaving robotic tasks. If there's a world where I do not need to rotoscope by hand, why would I? Although LED volumes and in-camera VFX represent the current state-of-the-art in filmmaking, technology continues to advance. Demerdog foresees a future where the technology we use to create media may be transformed completely. One day it popped up in my partner Gary's mind that just like anything, the prices of virtual production stages will also go down to a point where we can all afford, just like in your living room, our own virtual production stages. And I believe that just like we have curved LED stages, the studios will also offer rooms where directors can freely ideate with the size of volumes being smaller. So what actually will be happening is that AI bringing together the most collaborative art form in history closer to each other, closer to itself. While people, instead of like working on separate rooms, passing each other, everybody will come together being able to ideate and make something together. That really what fascinates me the most. Another development will be any part of the film production process that can be optimized will be optimized. Let's say that you are a VFX company that has worked on Dungeons and Dragons and Game of Thrones and all types of other shows that involve the presence of a dragon. If ever your studio has created 10 dragons, you will be able to optimize hundreds of hours in the creation of your next dragon. You will not be forced to light the same scene over and over and over with every minutious change. The lighting will be automated. Another beautiful thing that I am seeing is that quality that was accessible to only high production value films of anything, be it music, be it 3D, be it 2D, will be accessible to everyone. So what we will be seeing is that medium to low budget movies, quality being heightened to medium to high budget movies. The competition will be very high because now individual humans will start competing with Netflix, which is for me exciting. If we were to think about an even more future, someday, sometime, we will be able to write what type of story we would like to see, and the outcome will be generated in front of us. Will it be of quality? Not immediately, absolutely not. Will I be watching it? Only if the algorithm is very closely monitored and corrected and corrected and over and over corrected by humans that have watched before what I would like to watch. So 
all these crazy, insane scenarios that we're saying that we will not need to film at all anymore can only be done maybe one day in the future where a lot of monitoring and a lot of vetting has been done by humans for the quality of the outcome that is presented in front of us. While she appreciates the need for creatives to make a living from their work, Demerdog also considers how AI will affect the job market. Our primary objective as a human being in the age of AI should be to know ourselves. What is my unique strength? What makes me different than anybody else around me? And what are the repetitive, optimizable parts of my workflow that one day maybe can be done by automation? And in that moment, what will be my role? What would I love to do? Because everything everywhere at all times will be available to me. So what would I like to produce and contribute to the collective? These are different questions than how am I going to bring money to my family? Will I ever run out of money? We shall learn to ask ourselves different questions than we watched our family ask themselves while we were growing up. Thinking far beyond the limits of technology, Demerdog is keenly aware of even more profound philosophical questions which AI brings. Sometimes I think that uh, we're all living, but are we aware? Are we simply aware? Like the wise words of Carl Jung, we are 95 to 99% governed by our subconsciousness. And until the day we make our subconsciousness conscious, we are living in a state of asleep and we are calling it life. If the person listening to me is getting one thing, I am pleased asking them to ask themselves, am I awake or am I living in a state of asleep? If so, what do I need to do to become awake? These questions are necessary in the age of AI. We're talking about like a massive computation power that is even more powerful than the massive computation power of all humanity combined together. Either we take our power in our hands and we wake up to our own power, or we all become the toys of AI. listening to the Virtual Production Podcast. Special thanks again to my guest, Pinar Sehan Demerdog, for joining us. This episode was written and hosted by me, Noah Kadner. This episode was edited and mixed by Corey Abel. The Virtual Production Podcast is a co-production of The Virtual Company and Abel Cine. We love virtual production and would also love to work with you. So please visit our websites and drop us a line if we can help. You can find us at ablecine.com and thevirtual.co. The Virtual Production Podcast is brought to you in part by Puget Systems, an integrator specializing in high-end desktop systems, perfectly suited to virtual production. Please visit them at pugetsystems.com. The Virtual Production Podcast is also brought to you in part by Row Visual, setting the gold standard in LED technologies for virtual production. Learn more at rowvisual.com. Please also let us know if there's a subject or guest you want us to have on the show. And if you like what you heard today, please consider giving us a five-star review, subscribing, and telling all your friends about us. 
Thanks again and see you next time.